certainly uh, agreed, yes, we can wait. But I have been looking for a new lighting for my entryway for years. Um, right now, if you come to my house, you'll see ceiling tile in my entryway, and then just kind of the base part of a, a light so it's nice bright gold and it's got the bare light bulb showing and the, and the glass globe fell down uh, a number of years ago. It didn't break, but it's like, well, why should we bother putting that thing back up? So we haven't done it because eventually we want to tear out the ceiling tile and we want to put some shiplap in there um, that has been painted due to the help of Miss Bev. And, and so it's sitting in my living room. It's only been there now for about two years, and we want to get that moved in and put up. And so I thought there's no point in buying a new light yet. And so I've just been looking. I still haven't found the light. I, it's just, you know, I want it to look kind of farmhousey, but I want it to also offer enough light. And because I made that mistake the first time I purchased a light for the entryway, it only had these four teeny little 40 watt bulbs and it just didn't cut it. So I've learned that you got to make sure it's an appropriate light for the space. And of course, now they've thrown a little monkey wrench into it because not only do we have the uh, normal, traditional, uh, what do they call those things, the incandescent bulbs, we've also got those, those antique ones that are so cool. But it's like, are they going to offer enough light? I don't know. And now they've got vintage ones too. What's the difference between antique and vintage? I have no idea. But all these different light selections, they all have their places and their purposes, but what's going to fit the space? And so I still haven't, haven't picked it yet. And I tell it, it this way. By the time I actually get around to making a decision on this light, who knows what they're going to have for light bulbs? <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen by the year 2020 because that's probably about the time I feel like I'm going to get to putting that light up. But at any rate, um, I, I just say all of that to say, you know there's always a purpose in what I'm saying, right? I say all of that to say that the, the title for today's message is Joy Illuminated. Joy Illuminated and pray that yes, eventually I do get my light um, put up in my entryway. But as we continue our summer series through the book of Philippians, and entitling today's message, Joy Illuminated, we're going to be in, in the second chapter, um, starting, with verses, or starting with verse 12 and going on to 18. And so if you have your Bible, you want to turn there, great. Otherwise, it's going to be up on the screen as well. But every topic that Paul addresses in this short thank you letter to the Philippian church is infused with joy. Hence the title of our whole series being Joy. And, and Paul was not going to allow his state of being under Roman guard kill his joy. He kept Christ as his focus. He kept Christ and the joy that he received from him as his focus. He didn't become inwardly focused at all. And so because of this attitude, Paul was able to continue to minister to the church in Philippi, even in his absence. He continued to instruct them in how to live for Christ. And we know from, from a previous message that with all the churches that, that Paul had connections with, had ministered to, had planted, the church in Philippi seems to be the one that he had that closest relationship with. When he wrote his letter, there was the, nor the, the, the greeting at the beginning, but what we're going to see in our passage for today, he kind of greets them again. And it's not with a, to whom it may concern, or dear sir. No, it starts out on another term of endearment. 
a rather dear friends, or brethren, as some translations put it. Paul was conveying his love to this church. He was spurring them on in love. So before we read the word this morning, let's take a moment and just pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. It has power to change our lives, to impact us, Lord, as as only your word can. And so we just thank you for it this morning, and we trust and believe that you're going to do and accomplish what it is that you want through your word this morning. And may all the glory and praise go to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So starting out our our reading this morning, chapter 2, verse 12 in Philippians. Paul writes, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I am away, it's even more important. Now, it's been a number of years since most of us in the room have been in school. And if you'll recall back then, and maybe maybe it wasn't for you um, when you were in school. Maybe you were such a stellar student that uh, you didn't recognize the pranks and the shenanigans and and all of that stuff that, that students were capable of and probably still are today. Maybe you were such a stellar student, you, you're totally oblivious to this. For others of us in the room, okay, maybe I need to remove myself because actually I was a really good kid. But anyway, in this, um, whenever a, a, a teacher um, was leading a class, there, there, there was those special teachers that would build a rapport with their students. They would just have what it took, that even though they, they gave really difficult assignments and, and they challenged the students, the students respected those teachers. They just really connected with them. And, and they, the students then, they followed the rules of the classroom. They, they, they followed the instructions, listening intently. They actively participated in, in the discussion in the room. And they worked hard. There were those teachers that just knew how to stir that up in students. But when a substitute teacher came into the classroom, the whole atmosphere could change. Chaos could ensue with talking and grumbling and and just general mischief. And then when the teacher would come back and and read the, the notes from the substitute teacher, they would wonder, who was in my classroom that day? That isn't the students that I teach. And here's kind of what Paul is addressing here. Because no matter who it is, every true leader, whether it be a coach, whether it be a, a teacher, whether it be a business owner, a parent, a mentor, or even a pastor, every true leader wants those that they are leading to continue in how they were instructed when the leader was there. Because it blesses their heart all the more to know that that would be continuing on. And that's, again, what Paul is talking about here. He had led the church. They were on the right track. They were doing the right thing. They were staying in unity. They weren't grumbling and and those kind of things. And now Paul's gone and he's hearing reports, apparently, that maybe things aren't all as well as they were when he was there. Apparently some had gotten off track. And so Paul's reminding them, even more so now, while I'm not there, now that I'm not with you, demonstrate the change that receiving Christ as your Savior has brought about in your lives. Because if you do that, it's going to make an even greater impact 
and it's going to be a pure testimony of what Christ has done. And so Paul then continues in verse 12. He says, Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Some translations say work with your salvation. You'll notice that Paul's not saying work for your salvation. Because we don't earn God's grace by what we do through our efforts. God's grace was supplied to us when Christ died on the cross uh, for our sins. And and then we receive his grace when we repent and and we accept um, what he has done for us, acknowledging him for who he is. and, And then as we receive him as Lord and Savior, it changes our lives. It starts us on that process of sanctification, of working out our salvation, of demonstrating the results of that. And so while salvation is through grace, Paul is saying here that there should be evidence in your day-to-day lives, a demonstration of a life being changed by God's grace. And just as it is for the Philippian church, it is for us as well. There needs to be evidence of God's grace in our day-to-day lives. So what might this look like? A demonstration of love, perhaps, where once prejudice reigned. Honesty, where lying and cheating used to be. Laziness replaced with hard work. Humility, where pride prevailed. Thinking of others instead of just yourself. Generosity growing in places of stinginess. A continual and progressive demonstration of salvation throughout our lives. Obedience to God with deep reverence and fear will also be evident. Not a fear that paralyzes, but a holy, reverent awe of who God is. That's going to generate that desire to to obey him out of love and gratitude. For he has given us salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. He saved us. Surely we have hearts of gratitude and thankfulness and want to uh, be obedient to this amazing God that would do that for us. Paul goes on to encourage the Philippians and, of course, also us as he continues his letter with verse 13 when he says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So we can't take on that, well, I don't have what it takes to work out my salvation. I don't have what it takes to demonstrate that day to day. Because there really isn't the pressure, there there isn't that questioning if you can do this because God is working in you. He's giving you the desire. He's giving you the power to do what pleases him. And of course that comes through the Holy Spirit. Because we know that when we receive Christ as our our Lord and Savior, he sends the Holy Spirit to dwell within us, to, to counsel us, to guide us, to direct us, to encourage us to follow Jesus. Do we need to cooperate with the Spirit? Yes. So it doesn't totally negate the responsibility that we have, but we can trust that God's faithful to do his part to give us the desire, to give us the power to do this. We just have to cooperate with him. To have that joy in knowing that he's providing what it is that we need to do his will. 
And so it's putting into practice then that working of the Spirit in us to have an outward effect in our daily life as we live for Christ. Paul goes on to exhort the church in Philippi to not allow anything to tarnish that outward effect of the inward working of God. He writes in verse 14, Do everything without complaining and arguing, so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Now, it's been a couple of years since that big storm in July where that one morning I remember asking the church how many people had power. And I think there was like three hands that went up as far as having electricity at their home. Everybody else still didn't have power. And, and the storm had hit like on Thursday. And so now this is Sunday and, 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 and many homes still didn't have power. And, and thankfully, Pat and I, we have a generator. So Pat can kick that in and and we can still at least have lights and, and hot water and, and those wonderful things that, you know, like flushable toilets, that's always a, a great thing that I appreciate. And so in all of that, we have this generator. And, and there was an issue with it during that particular time when we were running it. And, and Pat was in here with the city because there was a mess here. And so I was trying to keep things going at home that very first day after the storm. And the generator kept kicking out part of it. So there's two breakers. It would kept kicking out one. And, and in it, the, the, the lights would dim, markedly dimmer when that would happen. And, and in that, just the, the lights in our house dim when our generator is only running on half power, so will God's working power in us when we allow those bad attitudes to, to creep in with grumbling, those negative attitudes are going to, going to diminish God's working power in us. We're not going to shine as brightly. And that's what Paul's encouraging the church in Philippi here. To live a clean life, innocent lives, not grumbling and complaining, not having a bad attitude, so that they can shine like bright lights. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 7 say, as this, as this is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So as we stay connected with God, having fellowship with him, not grumbling and complaining, having the right attitude, and we stay connected in prayer and worshiping him, reading his word, we're not only going to have that that full power of fellowship with God, but we're also going to have that full power of fellowship with one another. So as we cultivate the opposite of grumbling and complaining, where we're cultivating love, peacefulness, patience, the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, our lives are going to be characterized by moral purity. And and we're going to be lights then in this dark and depraved world. As we pursue Christ and allow his Holy Spirit to change us, we're going to be a witness of his transforming power. And our lives are going to then lead others 
to the light. John chapter 8 verse 12 says, Jesus spoke to the people once and more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Paul goes on to say, hold firmly to the word of life. Just think of it. Hold firmly to the word of life. The Greek translation here is hold of hold firmly means to hold forth. To hold forth as an offering of wine to a guest at a banquet. So it's holding out to other people the word of life. That's what we're called to do. Is to demonstrate that through our lives. Paul's saying, hold forth that word of life. Offer it to others. And then he continues on with, then on the day of Christ's return, we will be, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. We know that Paul's mission was to make Christ known. And so if the Philippian church would continue to go forth and with the light of the gospel, offering it to others, even when Paul wasn't there, he would know that all of this, all of his efforts, all of the time that he spent investing in them mattered. For even if he were to die, because he knew that it was likely that he would die. Now we know that he actually was released from Roman guard um, for a season and then was brought back. Um, and it was the second time that, that he was um, uh, executed. But he actually didn't know that, obviously, as he was writing this letter, that he wasn't going to die this time. But he said, even if I do die, I know my efforts were not in vain. The gospel was going to continue to go forth. And so he writes, but I will rejoice even if I lose my life pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice, he says, and I will share your joy. Now, some of you might not know that, that Jess Brenholt, uh, I'm not sure if everybody knows her who was in the room, but She's a young lady that attends our church, and she's here today. And she's going to be taking a, that, that lead this um, fall with the kids' club on Mondays. And, and you might not know that it's not that long ago that she was one sick girl, not really knowing what was going on. And, and I'm not going to try and, and actually say the medical term of, of the, the condition that she has, um, because I would have had to write that out in how I would have pronounced it. And so I thought, no, I'm not even going to say that. But, but through that journey of, 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 of gaining better health, which she obviously has done today, and it has been a journey for her, her journey brought her through the Mayo Clinic. And she was one of the first, or she was the first, the, the first patient to receive a form of treatment that has improved her quality of life and, and others as well. And, and maybe you saw that TV news clip a, a while back um, with her being interviewed on that. But Jess just has this bubbly, make the best of what life throws at you attitude. That's what she has. 
And, and with those two factors, her being that first patient and her wonderful personality, she was asked to attend a gala um, earlier this year put on by the Mayo Clinic. And that gala was to uh, raise funds for, for further research and, and being able to, to develop um, other things that were going to help people. It was also a thank you for the donors that had already given. And so this gala, it's my understanding, had all the bells and whistles, all the tuxes and the formal attire and the little hors d'oeuvres on these little dishes things and all that fun stuff. And, and, and so it was a big deal. And I believe that Jess would say it was an honor and a privilege to be able to share her story, to be able to say thank you to those who made it possible, to share how her life was changed for the better because of this kind of treatment. Here's what I want us to take away. As followers of Christ, Jesus has instructed us to share how our lives have been affected by receiving his salvation through grace. He's called us to be his witnesses, to share out of hearts of gratitude and love how he's changed our lives, to demonstrate the effects of, of what his saving grace has done. There needs to be an urgency with this. Because other lives are in the balance. Let me put it this way. If we knew the cure to cancer, I'm talking every single form of cancer out there. If we knew that cure, would we not tell people with, that, with cancer? Would we not tell them, here's what it is. Here it is. This will cure you. Would we not share that? I would think that we would because we're people who love people. And if we had something of that magnitude, we would share it. Likewise, we know the cure to the human condition of sin and spiritual death. And the reality is the condition of, of sin or the result of sin and, and the spiritual death that comes from that is much more severe than cancer. Because cancer is for here. It does not go on into eternity. But spiritual death does. And so it seems to me that we would be all the more urgent and fervent about sharing Christ's amazing grace for us with others, what he's done in our lives. And you don't have to go all theological on people. Just share your story. What's God done for you? How has Christ changed your life? It should be that natural outflowing of the love that, that God puts in our hearts onto other people. To be a light with joy illuminated. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, He said, You are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. 
We don't do the good deeds. We don't fulfill God's will for ourselves. We do it so that God would receive the glory and that Christ would be made known. So, if we live for Christ, we're going to glow like lights, showing others what he is like. We're not to diminish our light um, and the impact it can have by, by grumbling and complaining, by being afraid to share our faith. We're not supposed to, to go into the world and, and compromise our morals and our beliefs just so that we fit in. We shouldn't blend in with the world. We are the light of the world. And so the process of demonstrating our salvation that Paul's talking about here is going to continue as we mature, as we become more like Christ. That's the working out of our salvation, of living authentic and transparent Christ-changed lives, of just sharing our story with those that God puts in our paths. And remember, the Holy Spirit's the one who helps us. He's our power source to right living. He's the one who's going to work in and through us to to help us to fulfill the will of our Father. So we can't afford to put this light under a basket. Others need to know Christ. And there's no one better to share Christ with your friends than you. You already have that relationship built. They already see how you're living your life. And so when they ask why you do something a little different, let them know. Let them know why it is that you live differently. Let them see the joy illuminated in you as you live out your faith. We also want to shine our light in our community as well. Our church is located in a city on a hilltop. Imagine the impact the gospel message could have if each of us shared the light of Christ with just one person. Be potentially 30 to 40 people whose lives would be changed for all of eternity. What if we shared it with two or three? You can see the impact you can have because then they also, they will see how it's been modeled in you and they will be willing to share and desiring to share their faith as well. And it has a ripple effect throughout the globe. And, and so in that, let's not just imagine though what our church being a light to our community would look like, but let us thrive to fulfill our church's vision. To live out that all people matter to God and that Christ's message and ministry through the local church is the hope of the world. So here's the challenge as I close this morning. For those of you that have accepted Christ as your Savior and Lord, you're visibly shining the light of Christ, are you asking God to bring into your everyday divine appointments God incidences, not coincidences, but God incidences of meeting up with people. That happened to me last week, and and, and I had a few moments, and I ran into a store, didn't really have anything I absolutely needed, but I had a few moments, and sure enough, there was somebody there that I knew that I hadn't seen for a while, and 
all I didn't I didn't say well, you need Jesus. No, I listened to their problems. They shared what was going on in their lives, and and, and so we can just be a person who cares, and then it can take it the next step, the next time, and it can build from those kind of divine appointments that God places in our lives. And so pray for God to to help you not only have those divine appointments, but to see those divine appointments when they come, when he sends them. I also want to say, is is your joy being illuminated as you go about your every day? Are you taking Christ with you in everything that you do? No compartmentalizing at all. Christ is all in all to you. He's with you all through the day. Secondly, maybe you're here and, and you've allowed yourself to kind of get drawn down into the ways of the world and, and you realize um, that you're kind of like that generator uh, working on half power. You haven't been spending time with God and you aren't fully charged up to, to be a light in your world. And, and so in that, you can get back on track. Don't think that, that then, okay, I've failed and that's it. I, I'm done. I can't be a witness to God. Yes, you can. Just get back on track. Reconnect with Jesus through prayer, through reading the word. And then I'd also encourage you to do this. Find someone who can help you be held accountable to growing in your faith. Find somebody. And if you're thinking, I have no idea who that is, ask God. He'll show you. He will show you. We aren't supposed to do this walk of faith on our own. We're supposed to do it in community. Ask God to bring somebody into your life to help you one-on-one or maybe in a small group of, of friends to grow in your faith. Thirdly, maybe you're here this morning and, and if you were completely honest, you'd say your coworkers and friends don't have a clue that you're a Christian. You've kind of tucked your light under the basket, think maybe that's not appropriate to have out at work. And, and so your light isn't visible because you've gotten into the habit of doing that. You've allowed those worldly ways to to dictate. And and maybe it's because you've realized that um, if you say you're a Christian, but you continue to do some of the behavior that you're doing, um, you're going to appear like a hypocrite. Well, may I lovingly caution you with this. The Bible says that nothing is hidden that will not become evident, nor anything secret that will will not be known and come to light. God sees it all. Not just our actions, but also what's in our hearts. And so living a life of selfish pursuit of pleasure does not even begin to hold a candle to the abundant life that Christ actually wants you to have. And you're not going to have that if you continue to entertain the things of this world that are just going to end up leaving you empty anyway. And so I encourage you, if that is you, would you just ask God for forgiveness? Would you just repent before him and, and then turn back to him and, and, and just say, God, I'm sorry. Get me back on track again. And he's faithful and just to forgive. We know that. It says it in his word. So don't hide your light. Others need to see it. And then maybe you're here this morning and, and you're just exploring what is just... What is this church thing all about? What is, what is in the Bible? I don't even know. Or, or what is Jesus all about? Maybe you're here and you're growing. And, and you know what? We all are. And so you're in a good place this morning, if that's who you are this morning. 
But when I was in your shoes, I had lots of questions. I had lots of questions, and maybe you do too. And so I encourage you, if that's you this morning, would you just either ask me or or someone else that you know here today that they can help you to answer some of those questions. They can help you to discover who this Jesus is that loves you so much. I'm going to have the the prayer team come up and um, we're going to close here. But as we do, would you just bow your heads with me this morning? Maybe you walked in this morning and you just have a burden on your heart. It it may not have had anything at all to do with, with what I just shared. I just encourage you, we're the body of Christ. And we know that there's power in prayer. And there have been people already prayed for this morning. We don't want you to leave without being prayed for. And so I encourage you to come and, and, and allow God to minister to you through the prayer team. Or maybe you're here and, and, and the message has spoke to you in some way. And you just want to pray that you're going to be a, a brighter light for Christ. Maybe in your workplace or Maybe to that neighbor that you just just have a love for, but you just don't know what to say. Would you pray that the Holy Spirit would give you a fresh boldness in sharing what, what Christ has done in your life? And maybe you want to just seal that decision that, that you're, you're wanting that, not just for yourself, not just for God, but you want that for your neighbor. You want your neighbor to know the truth. Would you seal that decision that that you're making right now in prayer? You can come up and pray with the prayer team afterwards, or or maybe you just want to take a moment before you leave this morning. Maybe just whisper from your heart, God, I want a fresh boldness. I need you to give me the words so that I can share your love with those around me. Help me to be a brighter light to this dark world who so desperately needs you. Maybe you're here and, and you realize you've gone to church. You've read the Bible. You've even prayed. But you realize you don't even have a light shining yet because even though you've done the church thing, you haven't received Christ as your Savior. If that's you this morning, again, you can come and Let the prayer team know that's the decision you want to make and they'd be delighted to pray with you. Or maybe you just want to, again, just whisper in your heart, God, I need you. I need your help. I don't want to do it my way anymore. I want to do it your way. I want that light. I want to be that light. And so I just encourage you, no matter where you are on that spectrum this morning. Whatever decision you came to today, I just pray that you take a moment and seal that in prayer. As followers of Jesus, we are the light of Christ to this world. As we work out our salvation, as we demonstrate the life-changing power of the gospel message to the lost and dark world, It's going to have an effect. 
And we not only have the responsibility, but we have a privilege of being a bearer of the light of Christ. With the Holy Spirit giving us the will and the power to carry it, to hold it out to this dark world. And so, Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you've called us to be a bearer of your light. That we can hold it out and offer it to those around us, Lord, that are confused, that are hurting, that are living in dark places because they don't know you, Lord. We can be a light that will shine into their darkness. And then we can introduce them to the true light. Lord, give us the words to say. Give us the courage. Lord, we thank you so much for what you've done in our lives. May we make it evident. May we demonstrate the changing power of the gospel in how we live our day-to-day lives. And may you, Lord, receive the glory and the honor as others come to know you as Christ through us. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen.